This is Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford. Each week, Mark Sinell and I talk with top influencers to explore how the U.S. government is harnessing the power of technology to solve complex challenges and improve our lives. Hi, thanks for joining us on Tech Transforms, a podcast sponsored by Dynatrace. I'm Carolyn Ford, and I'm flying solo again today, but Mark will be back next week. So I'm excited to welcome back Bob Stevens, Area Vice President of Public Sector at GitLab. Bob is a seasoned veteran in public sector technology with over 36 years of experience. As the AVP at GitLab, he is responsible for helping government organizations become more productive, efficient, and effective. And Bob has experience on both the industry and the government side of things. Prior to industry, he served in the United States Air Force as a computer specialist at the White House Communications Agency. And today we are going to talk about artificial intelligence, machine learning, and what hyper automation is exactly. Why Bob thinks it will be 2022's biggest trend. All right, Bob, welcome back to Tech Transforms. Thanks for, for coming back on the show. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'd like to talk about an episode that you just did with GovExec Daily. And on this episode, you mentioned that hyper automation will be 2022's biggest trend. So I want to, I, I'm going to be honest, I haven't really heard hyper automation. Like I get automation. I can kind of deduce what hyperautomation is, but I would love for you to explain it to me. What's the difference between automation, hyperautomation, DevOps, all of that? Yeah, it, I mean, it's uh, it's the strict def- definition of the word, right? It's uh, it's you know, rapidly identifying, vetting, and automated um, processes uh, in order to produce uh, whatever it is that you're working on uh, as fast as you possibly can. Um, and, you know, it trends today because, uh, if you think about in the government space, they have a lot of compliance issues that they need to deal with, right? Well, if they can automate those compliance processes, uh, and ensure that when they build, uh, software in the end, it's going to be compliant and they don't have to go back and vet it. I mean, that's going to save them a world of time and give them. So, are a you talking about like NIST compliances, like automating some of those NIST controls? Like, there's like 300 of them, I think. Uh, that's I am yes, or, those. You know, you're, I think you're talking about BedRamp, right? All the uh, all the yeah, one of or authority to operate has all of those, yep. right? I mean, yep. I don't there's know the, all the details, but <laughs> yeah, no. So there's a there's the uh, um, the um, Oh boy, the word just went right on it. Stigs, right? That uh, oh, yeah. the government has to put all software through, uh, and that's all about compliance. Um, the government has to get the authority to operate, right? ATOs, right? Uh, for everything that they run and renew uh, them like every two or three years, or or sooner, right? It depends on right. how much how much of a change occurred in the application. Um, so if you can hyper automate all of that by the use of AI, uh, you know, um, or uh, machine learning. Uh, and again, and, and so by the time you produce that software, all those compliance issues are addressed and you know, they're addressed because you've, you've got confidence in the system, uh, and the way that it was done, uh, and it didn't require human 
or as little human intervention as possible, which is, you know, unfortunately where some mistakes are injected. So um, then, you know, you've saved a world of time and you've made life really, really easy uh, for the for the folks that are de- doing the development, as well as the folks that are using the applications in the end, um, because they don't have to sit and wait, you know, to get the authority to operate, which sometimes can take a year. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So is the differentiator between automation, DevOps, and hyper-automation really adding in those, like automating those compliances? And are you telling me that that hasn't happened before now? Unfortunately, it has not happened. Um, And that's evident by the fact that, you know, the government still has to produce ATOs and they still are doing STIGs at the end of the development cycle. Um, So, uh, so unfortunately, it hasn't happened. Um, I think you know the government is, you know, will embrace it and has started to embrace it, uh, and therefore will embrace uh, hyper automation, um, otherwise referred to as uh, you know DevOps automation, because it's really during the DevOps process that all that automation all that automation occurs. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, it is going to continue to have uh, focus uh, and. You know, and compliance is just one area. Right? Security is another one, right? If I can ensure that, you know, when I'm done with my software development, uh, you know, there's it's free of vulnerability or known vulnerabilities, um, uh, then, you know, again, you know, the, the developers can help the security folks uh, um, be more uh, uh, supportive, right, of, of, of those applications uh, and, uh and getting them out to users faster um, rather than having to, to put them through some, some other processes or manual processes in the end. Um, so, um, so hyper automation is, you know, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. It's, it's, uh, it's only going to build uh, and become more important uh, for everybody. So what's made it a thing now? First, my head's still spinning that we haven't automated a lot of these controls, but What's made it a thing now? Are there new tools coming online or did somebody just go, oh, you know, what would be a good idea? <laughs> you know, it's a combination of both, right? You know, it's, 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 it's the collision of, you know, uh, you know, DevOps with uh, compliance built in uh, yeah. and just, you know, just having the ability to do that. You know, and this gets back to what we spoke about last time, which is, you know, the building of a platform, right? Mm-hmm. Where... Um, all ten aspects of of a uh, of the development lifecycle are incorporated into one platform, and now I can start to include things like ensuring that uh, code is you know vulnerability free when it's when it's complete, um, ensuring that I've met all compliance uh, requirements uh, during the process rather than waiting till the end and doing all the tests. Um, so so it's a combination of both. It's it's new tools, new capabilities. Uh, as well as uh, the fact that uh, somebody said, hey, wouldn't it be a great idea to combine these? Yeah, right. Like, why haven't we been doing this for like ever? (laughs) So are there any misconceptions about how hyper-automation can be used? Um, Well, I, I... I, you know, it's, you know, I'd love to say that it's going to be the end all be all for everything, but it's not right. It never is. Um, and they'll always require some sort of manual intervention at some point, um, or some, some additional thought that needs to be required. So, um, but that just means we get to continue to iterate on it, uh, which, mm-hmm. you know, 
which is uh, part of the GitLab culture. Um, you know, we we put things out in small batches uh, and then we iterate them uh, in order to get them closer to uh, perfection um, rather than wait for perfection um, before we uh, we introduce it, um, whatever it is that we're working on. So I think you kind of already answered this, but is there a point where DevOps and hyper automation overlap? Are they kind of the same thing? Are they two sides? To, like, how do they work together? Yeah, they, there is there's overlap, uh, which is why, you know, I, I was saying that it's also referred to as DevOps um, automation. Yeah. So um, it is it, it is the same thing, kind of? Yes. It's the yeah. same thing, not yeah. kind of. Yeah, it is the same okay. thing. Okay. Um, so you did the interview just this February. So 2022, we'll date our show a little bit um, with GovExec Daily. Do you think much has changed in hyper automation just even in the last, what, two, three months? Um, you know, I think it, yeah, it has. Um, but yeah, I can tell you just from a GitLab perspective, you know, you can now use our tool for some of those compliance, uh, automated compliance processes that we talked about. Okay, um, wait. So is that, what kind of lift is that to get like, for example, GitLab to make it so the government will accept that automation? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know what? I have not been through that process yet. Uh, but it's, I mean, I would imagine there's, you got to do like an ATO kind of process on the automation side so the government can accept it, right? Or am I? Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, they do, they take our, our software and put it through uh, the ATO process. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So, what tool could you use to put ours through? Right, that would give us an ATO in the end. So, you're stacking tools upon tools upon tools. But yeah, uh, or maybe it's just eyeballs on it saying, "Yeah, this is this works." Yeah, I think it's going to be the you know, and and this is again back to our culture, right? I mean, transparency is key, uh, and we're going to be 100% transparent with the government um, or any entity entity that uses our our uh, our technology. Um, and we're going to show them exactly, you know, what's happening uh, under the covers so that uh, they're fully aware uh, and can make their their assessments. Um, and um, and I think that, well, I mean, I already know the government is, you know, they're embracing um, just as an example. I mean, they're required to produce a software bill of materials in the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And and because a developer can pull libraries from a- anywhere. Uh, you know, it's important to build that software bill of materials uh, in, in order to assure compliance. Um, well, our tool will build it for you, right? So we'll tell you where all those libraries were pulled from uh, and uh, and produce the list so that you don't have to go back or keep track or do some sort of manual process. Um, and I can tell you the government, you know, has embraced that. I mean, they want that to be an automated process. Um, they don't want somebody going back through, you know, what could be hundreds of thousands of lines of code to figure out, you know, you know, where did it, where did it actually come from? Yeah. I mean, talk about a security risk to not know everything that was involved in building it. And then I would imagine if you've got a tool that builds your SBOM, it's got to be aware as things get updated. So it's going right. So the next version of the software, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's where auto, um, AI and uh, and uh, machine learning uh, really uh, play a, a you know a major part uh, in in the entire. Because you're right, we've got to constantly be uh, we've got to be we've got to know about you know every library that uh, can be discovered out there uh, right. and written right. 
So my chief technologist, Willie Hicks, likes to correct me when I interchange machine learning and AI. Is there, is one used as part of this process more than the other? Do they both have their place? Because you've mentioned both machine learning and AI. Mm-hmm. And do you know, they- I, yeah, I mentioned them because they're part of hyper auto- automation. Uh, and yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you I'm an expert on either one of them. Uh, <laughs> and, and of course they, they can often have different definitions, uh, or be used interchangeably. So, uh, you know, I think that that, that really, de- what you, to answer your question, I, I'm going to say it depends, it depends on who you're talking to at that, at that right. particular time. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, we are coming up against time again, so I'm going to thank you for your time. But before I let you go, I want to I want to throw some more tech talk questions at you. I won't give you the same tech talk questions that we did last time. So um, let's go with books. You mentioned um, who was the author that you mentioned last time? James Patterson. James Patterson. Yes. Okay. So do you like Tom Clancy too? Sorry, he makes me think of Tom Clancy. Uh, I, I have read Tom Clancy. I, you know, honestly, he uses too many words. So I, I don't right? read it. <laughs> like you can skip a whole chapter and not miss the story. <laughs> but okay, good. On the same page there. But do you have a favorite genre of books? Is it the thriller? You know, I, well, it is, it is the, you know, the criminal, uh, thrillers. Uh, those huh. are, those are interesting to me, um, because I guess, I, maybe that's the way my mind works. I'm trying to figure out what what the end is before mm-hmm. long before I get to the end, right? So, uh, so I think that's what uh, engages me quickly. Um, you know, I also like uh, you know you know um, any leadership book that uh, that can help you know help you be better, right? Ooh, uh, do you have a favorite or? You know, some favorites, you know, I'll tell you, one of my favorites is Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Blink. Uh, I know people like to go to his tipping point, but um, mm-hmm. I think Blink is uh, is the best one. Uh, and Blink is really all about you uh, trusting your gut. Right. Because mm-hmm. you know, if you've done something for long enough, you're an expert uh, mm-hmm. and, and therefore you should trust your instincts. Uh, and, and I don't think that happens all the time. I think people question um, themselves and others. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that that book does a really good job of, um, you know, leading you towards trusting you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that we have an intuition that intuition kind of gets a bad rap, right? Like that it's not knowledge, but it is, it's, it's knowledge that we've built up over the years that, I think we can respond to faster than our meat computers that sit on top of our shoulders can compute. Like we've just got, we've got that knowledge somewhere that we've gained over the years. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is even encoded into us through, you know, centuries of our ancestors learning to run from the bear. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, yeah, I refer to it, It's for me, it's wisdom, right? That's what we've gained mm-hmm. is, is wisdom. Yes. There right? we go. That's a better word. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and we need to trust that wisdom and we also need to impart that wisdom. That's part of our responsibility, uh, um, to, you know, our coworkers or, you know, our families, friends, whatever, whoever it is that you're engaged with. Um, so. Well, great. You've inspired me to go back and revisit Blink because it's been a while. So, (laughs) all right. Well, Bob, thanks again for joining us and taking the time to share some insights with 
with our listeners. And uh, listeners, thanks for joining us. Please be sure to uh, visit the website for the show notes and uh, references that Bob made. We also want to thank our sponsors, Dynatrace. Visit Dynatrace.com to learn more about how you can digitally transform faster, smarter, and easier. Please share and like this episode. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you. Thanks for joining Tech Transforms. Please post a review, share this episode, and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.